In the rear view mirror is the motherfucking law. I got two choices, y'all. Pull over the car or bounce on the devil, put the pedal to the floor. And I ain't trying to see no how we chase with Jake. Plus, I got a few dollars I can fight the case. So I pull over to the side of the road. I heard I want to say one number, and I want this number to sink in real deep. 2,572,648. What does that number signify? Well, it might signify the amount of times the pinside moderation team has dropped the fucking ball. That's, that's a close number to that. It's also probably the same number of times that Hilton has shilled alien and predator pinball machines to the community but remains a member of pinside we're going to talk about that got some interesting uh inside information on hilton and pinside i'm going to share with you guys in this episode maybe it's the number of times andrew highway said he would have your game in two weeks or maybe it's another uh, number of times that iceman has flip-flop on his positioning of companies like highway pinball of zidware of deep root now right we could keep applying this number to different things in the pinball community. Maybe it's the number of times uh, a new Stern Playfield dimples or the number of times cabinets will crack. But no, this number is actually, and I want to repeat it, 2,572,648 dollars and 73 cents. That is the amount of money that Highway Pinball is in debt or in the red. And finally, after all these years of saying stuff about this company, we're finally starting to pull back the curtain and get the truth about the actual financials of Highway Pinball and how bad it was up until this year before the uh, the new investors called it quits. And here's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Pin- Canada's Pinball Podcast. I want to talk a little bit about this, all right? I want to talk a little bit about um, Christopher Franchi's tips on how to make a good pinball podcast because, my God, until he told us how to do it, we were all clueless about how to make a pinball podcast work. So thank Chris. We're going we're gonna to talk about your tips and see if we can apply them to this show. Um, we're going to read some of your mail. Uh, and then I'm also going to talk about something else that I've been holding back. And, and it has to do with Pinside. Because I just saw a thread about Pinside's interview with, or there's a This Week in Pinball interview with Robin. And, and then I saw that people were just commenting on it and actually getting ejected from the thread for commenting on an interview about Robin and Pinside. And I'm going to talk about that later. And what I'm going to also do later on is I'm going to do something that I wasn't going to do, and, I, and I've held off on doing this, uh, but a Pinside moderator shared with me uh, something that moderator Forceflow had written to uh, to sort of rally the moderators and try to convince you on Pinside that Canada's is really bad guy that deserves to be banned for life. And I want to I want to read to you the agenda of the Pinside moderation staff and how biased they are. And I do hold a grudge against these clowns because they they sat on information that could have helped people re- refund their money for Alien, and they knew. They knew the situation at Highway was dire and grim early on in 2016, and they did not let me share that information with you. They willingly held it back, and I love that Robin and the moderators just want to walk away and act like it's no big deal now and that they did the best they could. Bullshit. They dropped the fucking ball, and they deserve to be called out on it. And you know what? No one else, think about it, nobody else can call them out on their bullshit because every other podcast out there, every other personality and pinball out there, they hold on to their pinside handle like it's some precious little thing that they don't want to lose. And I feel bad for them all because you cannot be outspoken about the moderators, about Robin, about people like Hilton because they will simply ban you and then you have no outlet to communicate the truth. And so I think that's why they fear 
and loathe this podcast so very much. Wasn't it hysterical when we won Best Twippy Podcast and Hilton went on a rampage about how the votes were rigged? And I love how he's like, only pinside registered users should be allowed to vote in the Twippies. What a what a dirtbag. He really thinks that people that like I that I was the one who voted for myself and like scammed the system when he himself admitted to creating alias accounts in the Twippy voting uh you know pool. So whatever. But we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. But let's talk about that two million dollar plus number of highway pinball and what happened was this um, they are liquidating the company and there is an amazing story on pinball news that goes over the entire 30 page documentation of what happens when a pinball company is liquidated and I really think it's important for people to read that story and understand that when a pinball company fails it isn't just a few people that go down with that ship. There are a lot of people that have been burned. That when a company of highway pinball size collapses, it's not just the workers there and the guys who ordered pinball machines that get fucked. It is everyone from suppliers, you know, to even like the, the governments that gave highway pinball loans to operate get fucked. And it is important. It is very important that people understand this story and that they actually don't shy away from it. And I have to call I have to call friend of the show Iceman out on this. I don't know why he keeps going on Pinside and saying, Hey everybody, like you lost your money, just forget about it, move on. Like he doesn't want to even have a discussion about what happened. And I'm sorry, Ice, but you're wrong. When a pinball company fails and drags all these people down, it's not just like, well, I just lost 1500 bucks. Let's forget about it and move on. That's not how adults learn. That's not how people learn a lesson. When something happens, it's usually after the fact that we're able to study and learn the the magnitude of what actually occurred with Highway Pinball. And I think it's an important lesson for everyone to read and understand that when you do try to just blindly support pinball and give your money to a pinball company, a lot more is at stake than just your precious little alien pinball machine. And I think that is the thing that I have the biggest issue with is a lot of these guys on Pinside, all they cared about was their fucking alien pinball machine. And they didn't realize that by supporting someone like Andrew, who was a liar, who was a fraud, who was a charlatan, they were actually aiding and abetting a much bigger problem than just not getting your precious little pinball machine. And a lot of the people in the pinball hobby, on the forums, they just get stars in their eyes about their precious machines and they could care less that the employees are being abused, that people's money is being, you know, used in, in, in like disingenuous ways, that all these things are at risk. I don't care. If he shows up with a flipping machine, all is good. Right? We heard that over and over again. We heard people like Hilton just point at full throttle and just say, look, everything is good in, in highway pinball land. And now Hilton, what do you have to say that the company that you kept telling people was in great shape is two and a half million dollars in the hole, right? So the other thing is this. Let's when you look at who's owed money and who is part of this liquidation, it's really sad that some of our friends in the pinball hobby are losing a lot of money. So let's take, for example, on when they itemize out who the money is owed to, 80,000 pounds, all right, 80,000 pounds uh, was paid to Andrew Highway by Cointaker. And in US dollars, that is $108,000 uh, Chris and Melissa gave to Andrew Highway to, uh, to get alien machines that they never received. And I just want to say how much of a piece of shit I think Andrew Highway is for, for putting people like Chris and Melissa who are hardworking in a position now where they're out that much money. Right, a pinball distributor, uh, they, this is not the most profitable business on the planet. It's hard to swallow a six-figure loss like that, 
all right? And then RS Pinball, which is another distributor, they're owed $148,500 um, in, in items that they never got from Highway Pinball. Nitro Pinball, smartly, is only on the hook for $6,400, all right? Th this is just incredible, right? It's incredible. So that's $262,900 that are owed to the three main distributors at the time when Andrew left the company. All right? That that is that is just just think about that number for a second, all right? So, at the time of the takeover, when the new uh, investors took over, uh, there was more than $630,650 uh, was owing in games or, or potential refunds. You know, so I, here's the thing that I can't understand. I can't understand, and, and I'm sorry. Like I just, we need to deconstruct this story. I don't understand how Andrew Highway is claiming that the investors did a three-month audit of the company, and he kept saying how these are smart men who took, who did their due diligence, and they did all this work to determine that Highway Pinball was worth salvaging. And they took three months to audit the company and then they agreed that it was worth taking over. And yet, when we look at these numbers at the time in which Andrew departed the company, these numbers indicate that everything was anything but in a good place, that, that they were hundreds of thousands of, of dollars in debt, that they owed so much money. When you look at the balance sheets, you know, there was like a year where I, you know, I think they like they made like thirty thousand dollars in two thousand sixteen, and their operating cost was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So think about that for a minute. You spend like over two hundred thousand dollars in operating costs to not even get fifty thousand dollars back in profit, and that is just insane, insane. And it speaks to the complete mismanagement of the company. All right. So what I can't understand is what did those investors see? Like, why did they go in on this? deal and does that give um, some credibility to the rumor that they were just trying to liquidate the thing from the get-go and they didn't plan on actually trying to make it work I don't know I don't really know who to believe in, in in that part of the deal what we do know is this they inherited a sinking ship that there was nothing they were going to be able to do to fix the problems with highway pinball that the game was not engineered properly that the amount of work it would take to get alien pinball to be a viable product that was reliable was just too much money required to do that and so they're, they're they called it quits all right there's some other stuff here that i want to talk about um, the welsh government is apparently owed seventy-five thousand pounds so this was probably given to them um you know, as as a business benefit that or a grant from the government to Highway Pinball, um, that they're that's they're now ineligible for. All right, so that's really interesting. I mean, it's just interesting seeing like the Welsh government on the list of people owed money by Highway Pinball. It was also really funny seeing the investors and the employees of Highway Pinball who have shares in the company. And all those shares are now absolutely worthless. Worthless. Uh, I feel bad for them. I feel bad because these, these individuals, they went into this venture thinking that they were going to get um, a stake in a successful pinball company. And we all know that was one of the things Andrew was promising these people. So $2.5 million in debt. Company being liquidated. Uh, we know that there is merchandise and machinery that was highly expensive that is now either missing or transferred over to Pinball Brothers. It's also very interesting to me like, how this whole deal is happening. Like how, how are they taking highway pinball items that Andrew Highway bought and transferring those items to Pinball Brothers and starting a new pinball venture and, and just erasing the debts and the obligations of highway pinball does are they going to be able to do that? Are they going to be able to just start anew without obligating all those people whose money is now lost on highway pinball? 
So I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you even pull that off. And I don't know how you expect people to forget that you're the same people that, that was, you know, that, that bought Highway Pinball. And these aren't, the, and let's just remind people, these aren't the people that bought Highway Pinball. These, the, this, these people were Highway Pinball from day one. These aren't new investors. These were the original investors of Highway Pinball. I feel bad for these guys. They have, they have been involved with Andrew Highway since 2012. Six years they've had to put up with this shit to just lose two and a half million dollars and probably a lot more than that. I can't imagine. I would love to ask. There's like four or five of these investors. I would love to ask all of their wives. How do you feel that your husband got involved and just lost millions of pounds chasing a pinball venture? How stupid. How stupid, right? If these gentlemen... If they took that two and a half million pounds and invested six years ago in Amazon or the S&P 500 or any blue chip company, they would have quadrupled that money by now. Instead, they invested in Andrew Highway's pinball venture. I know when people hate when I do that, like hindsight with money, but seriously, how effing dumb was it? To, to back that horse and, and go down in flames with, with, with Andrew. So we now see the numbers. And I think this now also paints a reality for people in pinball. We all say making pinball is hard, but I think a lot of people have no idea the amount of money it takes and the amount of people involved in a pinball venture. Because the other rumors I used to hear was how many millions of dollars Jersey Jack Pinball was in debt when he was making The Hobbit and Wizard of Oz and things weren't going well. And I think this number of $2.5 million at Highway Pinball, an operation that was always a Mickey Mouse operation. I mean, they, if you look at the production video of Andrew Highway, you know the one where he holds up the hex post and he's like, we just bought this machine and he does the factory tour and he's just kind of like randomly picking stuff out of boxes and being like, here we have some motors, here we have some dildos, you know, that, that video. Um, I think if you go watch that video, you'll understand like where the two and a half million dollars went down the toilet. Uh, but it also it also should be a, a, a word of caution to people out there that when pinball companies aren't run efficiently and effectively, um, the amount of money the, the, that you will go into the red in will be in the millions, millions, not, not a few hundred thousand dollars. And so I do think it gives even more sort of credibility to the rumors that Jersey Jack was probably millions in red when, when the investor came in. And I'm also still hearing that that company is still pretty much operating in the red. I mean, I, I, I would love for to get an email from anyone over there, but do you think Jersey Jack Pinball is, is making a profit in, in 2018 and 2017? Like, like profit, like the, the amount of money they're making is has them in the green versus their operating cost. Uh, I remember when I got the tour from Jack and he's saying, look at all these parts, the $5 million in parts, he said. $5 million in parts. When you have $5 million in parts in your warehouse, that's not good. You want $5 million in machines out in customer homes or out on location. You don't want to be stockpiling $5 million in parts. Um, and one of the reasons I heard that they um, that they fired the CEO was that he completely mismanaged Jersey Jack Pinball, and he 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 was responsible for like over ordering parts that there weren't orders for those games. So there's like just tons of Hobbit pot parts lying around, and there's not that many Hobbit orders, and that put the company into a financial like hole, and so that's why he's gone. That's why he's gone. Um, I, you know, if I'm wrong, I would love someone to correct me, but that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing. Um, so two and a half million dollars plus, that is the end result of, of Highway Pinball's financial state. And I just want to say, I'm sorry to all of you who lost money. I really am from the bottom of my heart. I tried as hard as I could to get you guys the information you need it. You need it 
to make a smart decision with your money. And it was apparent from early on in 2016 that things were not going well. People were trying to share the information. They were putting up information on Pinside that showed the financials of the company. And I still think there's this pipe dream that they could have pulled it out. And here's why you can't pull it out. Because you can't go millions of dollars into the red in a pinball company and you can't make up those losses ever with the profit margins on a pinball machine because the volume is not there. See, pinball is not like Microsoft releasing Xbox and the first Xbox they're willing to take a loss on just to get the user base up to then eventually break even and then eventually make money. The reason why you can't do that in pinball is because Microsoft, they make their money with Windows and their other programs and so they could absorb a loss in their gaming division because their other departments were highly profitable in the in the billions of dollars. But when you're highway pinball and you come out the gate with full throttle and nobody buys it and you're immediately in debt and then you're trying to build alien and so you're in debt. So you've, you've, you have no money. Your first game is a failure. You can't afford to pay suppliers. You can't af afford to pay employees. You can't afford to design the game and, and do all the quality control needed to make sure it's a good game. So you've got no money to work with. All right. And then so then you end up where you're at. You can't go into production. You, you, you stall. You have to buy time. You need new money to come in to bail you out. But the new money coming in um, for games is actually going to the R&D of the games that are already sold. So you're fucked. You are fucked. You are under a mountain of debt. And there is no way out. There's absolutely no way out. And we saw, we, we predicted that on this show. We tried to tell you guys, if you just look at it from a macro standpoint, you're never going to get your money back. You're never going to get your refund. You're never going to get your game. There's no way they can make it work. And it didn't work. And then we have Dutch Pinball, who's probably going through a very similar thing. Like, I get they're trying to get production up again, but how can they actually climb out of the financial hole they're in? The only way they could do it is if they charge much more per each Lebowski because there's no way they can go two years of re, you know, re ding the game with a whole new manufacturing company, build it in China, train the Chinese, pay for the airline tickets, pay, pay to go to different shows. How do you do that? Like, where does the money come from? Where does the money come from? And I think Jersey Jack, because they got their billionaire angel investor, you know, they got lucky, like very, very lucky. And look, if you have a billionaire backer, you could probably go 50 years losing money in the pinball industry because the guy doesn't care. He's just a hobbyist who's okay with losing a few million dollars each year because it's something he loves. And look, that when you become that wealthy and you have that deep of a pocket, it doesn't matter. Like all bets are off because then you're just in odd world economics and 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 they can they can survive forever. You know, money changes everything as Cindy Lauper said. Like you have you have enough money you can do whatever you want. Like Robert Mueller, he's financing Deep Root. He's the sole investor in it. He might have other investors as well. I'm not sure. Um, but you know what? He's He's got a, a fighter's chance because it's it's all his money. You know, I, I'd feel better. I, I feel better when a wealthy guy says he's going to make a pinball machine than a, than, than a guy who's got nothing going on right now. You know, or not got no money in the bank. Especially these companies are trying to make it at scale. Now, you don't need millions of dollars to make a pinball machine. That's the other fallacy. You need millions of dollars to make a big pinball company. But if you want to make a small boutique number of games, it doesn't require millions of dollars, right? It didn't take millions of dollars to make the Matrix game those guys made. They could have done a run of 25 and sold them each for like 15 grand and they would have sold everyone and the movie studio never would have known and they would have been, they should have done that. I think they left money on the table. What was the point of doing all that work for that game and making just five? They could have sold 20. They did all the work, all right? Same is true. Like boutique, small boutique runs, we see it all the time with the homebrew guys. It, you can do it. You can do it. What you can't do 
is start a large-scale pinball company with no no capital. All right, all right. So I don't know how much more of this story is going to go on, but when it does happen, we will cover it. And sorry, Iceman, we're not going to just move on because that's not the way the world should work. People shouldn't just get away with stuff, and then we shouldn't just apply silence. Um, when we're analyzing what actually happened with the company, all right? So I think it's important, especially for you guys, to read what this guy did and to discuss it. All right, let's move on to like, you know, a more jovial topic. And then we'll end with, with Pinside's agenda against Canada. That is really funny. But let's let's talk about this podcast. And Christopher Franchi has a um, a Facebook post about his tips on pinball podcasting. And you all know Christopher Franchi. He's he's one of our uh, our, our favorite uh, guests of the show. I love his artwork. Um, he is, I think, probably, he's my favorite. Uh, it's hard to say my favorite artist in all of pinball right now, but I do think his artwork just applies so well to pinball machines. Uh, and he's also coming out with his own his own pinball podcast. It is, it is coming soon. Um, it is called something like Silverball Pinball Podcast, where he, it's going to be a monthly show where he interviews uh, pinball designers. Now, I think that's great. I, 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 I'm assuming he's going to get just the Stern Design team on, which is great. Uh, for some reason, Stern Designers, they always say they're going to come on my show, and then they always don't. It, it's like they have to like go and, and beg Zach and, 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 and the Stern management team to come on the show. Uh, I still think it was really lame that I interviewed Jared and, and he didn't say anything bad. And then he he brought the interview to Stern management and they wouldn't even let me air it. I mean, come on. I mean, seriously. I think I've done enough supporting of Stern Pinball on this show than as much as anyone else has. And I think I've, you know, I've, I've held them accountable at times. I own a Stern machine. I, I've owned, in my life, I've owned four pinball machines. I've And two of them have been Sterns. I owned a Lord of the Rings, which I still consider to be the greatest Stern pinball machine of all time. I, I think without a doubt. The Lord of the Rings pinball, I think, is as good as pinball can ever get. I know there are long ball times. You know, you know who hates the long ball times? The really good tournament players who don't understand, like, world under glass and fun like they just want like scoring 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 like go, those guys can go play total nuclear annihilation all day long to the cows come home but lord of the rings best theme integration best modes it just it's like it was keith at his finest before keith just became too much keith like new keith is ridiculous it's over the top it's overproduced it's overly complex the fact that Keith put 22 characters to select from in Pirates of the Caribbean, in my book, is a fireable offense. Like, Jer Jersey Jack cannot rein his guys in. Keith needs to get back to understanding the simplicity of what makes pinball really fun. You can, you can make pinball simple to understand, but also have the right kind of depth. And the games that have that are like every Lyman Sheets games. K Keith's old games have it. Um... And, you know, Maiden's got it. I keep hearing from people, Maiden's got that. And like Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, you can select from 22 different characters that, you know, 18 of which you, you don't give a fuck about. And then you have to like, you have to like understand how each character like makes the game different. And then I watch the video of the game and every mode seems to seem, seem the same. Anyway, anyway, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. But let's talk about Christopher Franchi's tips for a pinball podcast. And let's see if Canada's pinball podcast actually accomplishes these tips. He writes, before I begin, please understand that these tips are intended to help you achieve success with your show, not to insult you if you feel any of these tips hit close to home. These are just the things your friends are afraid to tell you. Well, first question I have, Chris, is um, how many pinball podcasts have you done, bro, to be able to sit in this position to give us these tips? Uh, I think Chris did some radio before. But let me tell you something, man. When you start doing pinball shows, it's a lot different. So I look forward to your show. I look forward to see how you do it. Um, but it's kind of funny to me that a guy who's never done a single pinball show is giving people tips for success. All right. So he writes, number one, 
If you're a host or co-host of a show and talk slow and stumble over and repeat words when drunk, avoid drinking before your show, unless you're Martin Robbins. Seriously, it's embarrassing and awful to try and listen to. Avoid alcohol unless you're third, fourth, or fifth in the pecking order on a show. That will allow non-drunk people to keep the show moving. Ignoring this, ignore this post if you're if the name of your show is Sloppy Boring Shit Show. All right, so what he's saying is don't get drunk and do a podcast. Now, look, I have to agree that when you drink too much and you do a podcast, it's not always the right thing to do. It You will come across, and I've done it before. I mean, you start to slur your words and your thoughts aren't as cohesive. Uh, I've even interviewed people when I was like too drunk and I'm like, oh, and I feel that's, and, and, I, and I really, 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 um, don't ever want to do that again because I also think it's disrespectful to the people you're interviewing to be talking to them and you're not all there and and you're not you know you're slurring your words and you're making it like painful to 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 listen to so I agree with Chris on that point all right his second point don't spend half of your show going over how is your week no one really cares. Take three to five minutes at best just to warm up, but spending 30, 45, 60 minutes discussing what you did, especially if it's the, the, the topic of the show is pinball, is of no interest to, to anyone. Stories that are funny to you and your friends are rarely funny to people who don't know you. Um, yeah, man, I agree. But I think, I mean, there we all know which pinball podcasts do that. And that's why I can't make it pass like, 10 minutes of most shows because I don't understand why people do a pinball podcast and, and talk about the most random shit. So I agree with that. I think we don't do that at all. We get right to it, right? All right. Number three, don't alienate people from your show. What I mean by this is if you are female, never say something like, we'd love to have you on our show. If you're a woman, we prefer women. This is a show for women. Shows should not be be for a certain group. You limit your possibility for wider appeal and success when you alienate half of your potential audience. All right, I just want to stop there, Chris. If you think half of the potential audience of a pinball podcast are women, you are you you are taking a drug that we have not identified yet on planet Earth. Uh, have you been to a pinball show, man? I would love to see uh, Stern's, uh, you know, buyer base. I bet it's, I bet it's 99% of pinball buyers on the planet. 99% are men, uh, at pinball shows. The majority of people there are men. The women who are there, half of them are dragged there by their husbands. You know, there are very few women, very few women out there who are actually interested in in a pinball podcast. I'll tell you this. I'm not saying women don't enjoy playing pinball because they do. I know a lot of women who are in league nights who love pinball to death. Um, here's the thing that I think that is great about women. I think women love playing pinball. I don't think women want to get involved, nor do they care about uh, pinball forums, pinball drama, pinball podcast. I don't think they want to talk about it that much because I don't think women are as obsessed about pinball as men are. And I'll tell you why they're not. Because women aren't that stupid. Only stupid, bored men like all of us dedicate an inordinate amount of time to talking about, writing about, reading about pinball. Let's, let's be honest, guys. You are obsessed with pinball on some level that you can't get enough of playing the machines in your house, you can't get enough of being on Pinside talking about it that you also want to hear about it when you're out in the lawn, when you're at work, when you're driving to work. You're obsessed. Just admit it. Like it's, And you kind of have a problem. And I will be the first to admit, I have a problem that I do a pinball podcast for no money three times a week uh, talking about pinball. And I should probably seek medical help uh, because of this level of focus and attention to pinball. But we love it, so we don't really care. All right, but I'm just saying, Chris, you're dead wrong if you think you're going to make a pinball podcast that has appealed to both men and women, all right? He then goes on to say, 
Um, no podcast run by men has ever said we prefer male guests only. All right. I, he must be referring to a female podcast. Maybe it's the Miss Pinball podcast. I don't really know. Um, I'm not sure why he's writing so much about that. He says, in fact, many male podcasts show support and cheerlead wood women getting into the act. You don't need to point out that you're a woman for women by women. We can tell by your voice that you're a woman, but I'm listening to to hear wait but i'm listening to hear about pinball not to be told sit down shut up because i'm male all right so he's clearly like singling out a female pinball podcaster here who probably goes on and on about the fact that she's a woman covering pinball but i think that's her shtick chris i think that's what you don't get i think miss pinball fills a void of there's like 20 pinball podcasts out there already filled with a bunch of men rambling on about pinball so she her shtick and her angle is that she's a woman and she's a wife of someone who's obsessed with pinball. So she's going to come at it from that angle. Uh, I don't I actually, as a marketer, I think it's smart to do that. Like this is this is a female's take on the pinball hobby. This is a woman's take on this hobby. I don't think she's I, I bet most of her listeners are men. And you know why? Because no women listen to pinball podcasts. All right. Let me go on next. Number four, he says, remember your topic. It's pinball. If I'm 45 minutes into your podcast and only heard the word pinball twice, you're not doing your job right. Well, Chris, why would you listen for 45 minutes to pinball podcasts that ramble on that don't talk about pinball for 45 minutes? See, I never understood like why even bother. Um, do I think there are too many pinball podcasts out there? Uh, I, I don't really care. You know, can there be too many of anything that that's non uh, essential anyway? Uh, I look, I, I do my show the way I do it, but I also think I think we check that box. We never go 45 minutes without talking about pinball. In fact, our opening every time this show, what I love about this show too is I would my we never do long winded openings, 15 seconds, and we're off and running. All right, he says, number five, learn how to edit. This is key. You can remove all embarrassing comments, awkward silences, and things like, I hope this is recording right. All right. Well, look, I don't edit this show ever. I don't, I never, I don't go back. I don't take stuff out. I don't uh, remove awkward silences. In fact, I'll give you an awkward silence right now, Mr. Franchi. Okay, you see, you're still here. You're still here. We still got a show. Um, the thing is this. I learned long ago that I could do a lot of work. I could go grab movie clips, sound clips. I could do all this editing of my shows. And I could I could put so many hours into each show. You know, we used to hear Nate Shivers talk all about his show notes and doing all this stuff and all the work. And, you know, at first I was like Nate and I did so much like homework and notes and, and preparation for each show. And then I just said, fuck it. I'm just going to talk. I, I, I know what I want to say. I can remember what I've read during the week on Pinside and other places. And I want to just have this be a dialogue and a natural conversation. And I think that's why this show is, is much better than some edited, planned out kind of show. It, it, and, and it's just free-flowing. And it feels more like a conversation. So I don't agree that you need to edit. I think if you have a pinball podcast and you need to edit and you have to, and you have awkward silences and you're you're talking about your microphone for, for five minutes, then you probably should hang it up. You probably should hang it up if you just can't hit record and go. You don't have the kind of personality to you know to keep a podcast interesting. All right. Number six, don't overstay your welcome. If you run out of things to say regarding the topic, bail out and sign off. Don't milk it with boring filler just to stretch out the running time. Well, look, Chris, I don't know what really you mean by that because, um, you know, like I, I don't, I, 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 do you, I, I haven't listened to like a pinball podcast where people are like, just keep on droning on about a topic. I mean, look, we're very repetitive on this show about the things we talk about. People, people will say to me all the time, like, well, here he is talking about Andrew Highway again, and he's talking about Stern Cabinets, and he's talking about this and World Under Glass. Kaneda keeps repeating himself. And it's like, here's the thing about pinball, man, and you're going to learn this when you actually have a pinball podcast. 
um, there's not enough new news to not get somewhat repetitive on topics. But as I've learned, uh, it doesn't matter if you're if you're repetitive on the kinds of things you cover, as long as you inject some new point of view or insight or even just entertainment around the topic. But yeah, I think what he's saying here is when you get boring and stale as fuck on a topic, move on. And I agree with that. And I, I think we kind of achieve that as well on this show. He says, number seven, don't rip on other podcasters on your show. It's unprofessional and makes you look petty and sometimes even a bit envious. Yes, really. Keep it cool, do your thing, and let others do theirs. Well, we've never made fun of other pinball podcasts on this show. Ever, ever, ever. It's making it a full team. Stop it. I sound like I'm going to the toilet. It really is the just the epitome of that's pinball and you just have to shrug it off and get your trophy for second. Okay, so what else does uh, Christopher Francis say here? He said, last but not least, if your names are Greg Bowen and Zachary Many, um, don't call a guy during dinner, ask him a few questions. Then after five minutes, say it was being recorded for a show. I kid you, my brothers. Seriously, do not take offense to this. It is only posted to help you have a more successful podcast and entertain the people who listen. I try to listen to them all, but for the above reasons, some have fallen off my radar. Trust me, I'd rather listen. All I do is sit in my studio and draw all day. All right. He said, there aren't enough pinball podcasts to fill my week. Dude, you're out of your mind, Franchi. There are way too many pinball podcasts to begin with. Um, but look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's like what you can't what you can't give people. And this is not me bragging. You just can't give people personality. You can't give people um, what it takes to carry a hour-long pinball show. You either have it or you don't. And some people have it and are great at it. And they know who they are. I think Marty and Ryan, I would put them as my favorite pinball podcast out there. Um, I think the Slam Tilt guys are great. I think the Bro Do You Even Talk Pinball guy is good. I think um, Zach and Greg are awesome. You know, I think Nate is amazing. You know, I, I, you know, then it's like there's just so many out there. And they're all, they look, they all have different listener bases because of the styles of shows they are. Like, no two pinball podcasts are really the same. Um, but I do think there, you know, there are a lot out there. And I'm glad that I have my listener base. Look, some people can't stand me. Some people absolutely cannot stand me. And to those people, I say, I think you're missing out. I do. I think we create a very entertaining weekly commentary on pinball uh, that is not found elsewhere. All right. I hope this doesn't mean that Christopher Franchi won't come back on the show. Do I have to be a guest on his show now? I don't know how it's going to work out. All right. So let me go back to my final point today, which was Pinside and the moderator staff and, and, and the reality and the irony and the hypocrisy that continues to be um, pin side. Now I want to, because we're at this stage now where we're starting to reveal more of the truth of what's gone on in pinball over the last couple of years. I also want to tell you guys what I know about why I was banned from pin side. And I want to just reveal to you the actual happenings. Okay. Now I'll say this, and I am not a innocent sort of bystander in this whole matter that I have at times sent Robin and the Pinside staff some irate emails that were expletive filled that were ridiculous, totally ridiculous and, and, and uncalled for. But I'll say this too. I sent those to those people well after I was banned by Pinside. And so I was simply annoyed and irritated that I was banned. Now, let me tell you the main reason I was banned from Pinside. 
and they can they can chalk it up as like I, I was a troll and this and that, but it's such bullshit. I mean, the reality is this: there was one individual. Um, there was a few individuals that are the reason why I was kicked off for good. Um, one of them is a female moderator at Pinside. So I heard that the Pinside moderators had a vote on whether or not they should let Canada back on the site. This was like maybe six months ago, maybe a little bit longer than that. And there was a lot of support to letting me back on the site. But I think it's Blonde Tail is her name. But there was a female moderator that refused under any circumstance would she want me to be back on the site. And so she was the main moderator that kept me off the site. Another moderator, Force Flow, is also um, a highly, highly, highly um, agitated moderator um, who does not like me at all. And I'm actually going to read you something that Force Flow wrote uh, in his case against Canada, which is really funny to actually, so you guys can hear the way that that Dingleberry like thinks about me. All right. Um, but here's the thing, the, the real reason why, the real reason why they were just fed up with me is this. The moderators were tired of getting uh, private messages complaining about me on Pinside. Now, there was one user who complained the most about me, who actually wrote, because I have it in front of me, um, and I was given this by a Pinside moderator. Here's the thing that Robin doesn't understand. I have many, I have many moles in the Pinside moderator group. I'm not going to name names, but I was shown in an email or a private message by no other than Hilton complaining profusely about them lifting the ban on me, right? Remember when they like banned me for like a couple months and they let me back on? He went on a crusade, a crusade to inundate the moderators with complaints about me being allowed back on the site. And the stuff he was saying was just ridiculous. And, and I even heard recently that Robin and Hilton have been in cahoots and they basically, Robin feels that Hilton is a positive member of the community and he likes having Hilton on there because of all the clickbait that Hilton provides the site. So like, look, Robin and Hilton and the moderators, they're all one big kumbaya family and it's kind of funny. Now I want to read you something. I wasn't going to do this, but I'm going to share with you what Force Flow, the moderator on Pinside, um, wrote. And the reason why I'm doing this is simple. Because I saw that Robin was interviewed on This Week in Pinball. And when someone and when people went on the Pinside thread to discuss that interview, people were like thread ejected, like kicked out of the thread for two months because they were simply discussing the interview. This whole notion that you can't say anything about Pinside moderation or else you're like ejected or banned. How bullshit is that? Like what kind of like Nazi error, uh, you know, socialistic like crap is that? Like they literally, it's a pinball forum, Robin, and you act like it's this precious thing where people can't question the way you moderate. But I want to read this because this shows, this this just shows how one-sided um, Pinside is and how there's always been an agenda to keep me off the site that's bullshit. And you guys should just know the truth. So here it is. Hold on, I'm going to read this. This is great. Okay, so this was from October of 2016. All right. And it's from um, Force Flow. He wrote this. This is from Pinside Moderator Force Flow. And it is titled Proposal. And this, he, so he sent this to the Pinside Moderation staff. Now, one of the moderators uh, sent this to me. Okay. So just so you know the backstory, it's called the title is The Story Behind Canada. And let me read it for you word for word. All right. So he writes, there's a note before the, the full thing. He writes, proposed forum announcement, very rough draft, needs lots of editing. Feel free to edit and offer suggestions. Try to stick to facts and avoid opinions slander. All right. So he writes, many moons ago, a user named Canada was an active user on the forums. As time went on, he eventually posted more and more controversial and inflammatory things, which seemed intended to cause fireworks and arguments. Eventually, his podcast came, out, came about, which started reasonably well 
and featured some good interview segments. However, eventually, he started targeting individual users on Pinside, which was not acceptable. For all that and more, he was ultimately banned, even after a few second chances to redeem himself. After he was banned, there was still underground support from various users who attempted to promote his podcast and acted as a mouthpiece for him when he wanted to post something on the forums. Additionally, on occasion, he would create duplicate accounts to get around the ban and trolling the forums. These accounts were also subsequently banned. Finally, more recently, certain members have been giving access to their pin side to Canada. First of all, I just want to stop right there. That is a fucking lie. Like, I, I, I didn't want to stop midway through this. Nobody ever gave me access to their pin side account. Anyway, let me go on. Accounts are only intended to be used by a single user. And since it is against the rules for multiple people to use a single account, those accounts were also frozen. Canada is a public relations professional by trade. As such, he uses these skills to spin and promote all sorts of rumors, hearsay, and a mixed bag of information without proper fact-checking. All right, so I just wanted to stop there again. Force flow. Do me a favor. Take a step back and go fuck your face, you idiot. The information I was sharing that you are saying um, was mixed bag of information without proper fact-checking, everything I was sharing was about highway pinball, you D-bag. And you have the gall to tell me that everything I was trying to share was inaccurate. And what, was it also inaccurate when I took that photo of the Jersey Jack Hobbit machine with the broken ramp? And that's what led to me being banned. That was the post that they had enough, that I was sharing a fact that a game was broken on location. Okay, I'm going to keep going though. He goes on to say, all this can be damaging to the pinball hobby as a whole, as well as manufacturers. He obviously is not a positive ambassador for pinball. All right, I want to stop there. I want to stop there for a minute because there's more that I'm going to read you. So let's think about what Force Flow just said to you. He banned me from Pinside is accusing me of not being an ambassador for pinball. He's accusing me of sharing information that would be damaging to manufacturers. This was in October of 2016 when I was sharing with Forceflow and Robin and other moderators information about highway pinball that they refused to allow onto the site. So I set up duplicate accounts to share that information and they removed that information and banned those accounts. They knew those, those accounts were mine. They knew all I was trying to do was to get you guys the information and the facts you needed not to get burned by Highway Pinball. And here he is accusing me of not being a positive ambassador for pinball. And I'm doing this because I want you guys to see the true colors of Pinside, the true colors of the moderators, that all they care about is trying to have idiots like, like Kevin Kulik and people like Andrew Highway contribute to their site that they would rather allow those frauds an audience and a megaphone then let someone like me who's actually trying to look out for your well-being okay let me continue what he says here because this is just amazing and i love that it's this is it like i have this it's from force flow it's it's right here this is 100 percent the pin side moderator's agenda against me all right he then goes on to say most of these incidents have been handled fairly quickly and quietly by the moderator staff however it can sometimes take a little time to establish enough certainty and proof. We like to have some proof before acting as a matter of fairness to any new users who join. Unfortunately, this has led to various members greeting new users with the phrase, Hi Canada. This is unwelcoming and confusing for new members. We ask that you simply stick to using the post reporting feature if you suspect a duplicate account. There are still a small number of you who will support Canada. A small number. I love that. Hey, Force Flow. Hey, Dingleberry. A small number of people that will support me? Sure. I bet you and Robin 
thought that this podcast would just dissipate, that I would have no listeners. You know, Hilton still, he still admits to not even having a smartphone. I bet Hilton listens to every show we do. He curls up with a bag of marshmallows. He looks at his checking account. He looks at the window, sees the piece of shit Subaru, and he listens to every episode. And he says, honey, honey, he's making fun of me again. He's making fun of me again. You know, the Hilton hoodie. I'm going to, I'm going to mass produce those things. Anyway, I love the fact. Do you see the agenda there? Do you see the agenda and the one-sided bias of, of the moderator team that he might still have a small number of supporters? All right, I'm going to finish out what he says here. There are still a small number of you who will still support Canada, but have really only seen one side of him. Here is some of the correspondence that we have received from him. This should help illustrate the kind of individual some people have chosen to support as an ambassador to the hobby. And then he's going to insert the emails I sent to Robin. Any support for Canada or his podcasts will not be tolerated. This is not the kind of person we want on Pinside, nor the kind of person we want as the public face of our hobby. Comments for this thread will be open for a limited period of time. You know what I want to do? I want to read you. I want to read you what I sent Robin. Let me see if I can pull this up. All right, so this was around the same time period as Force Flow's great prose that he wrote. So I wrote to Robin and said, hey, Robin, not happy at all. I have a podcast ready to go that you won't be happy about. In it, I call out your moderation team and you for being a bunch of P-U-S-S-Ys. You let people attack me nonstop. When I punch back, you spring into action and ban me over and over again. I'm going to give you a few hours to think about your actions. I've played this game on your terms long enough. Trust me when I say you don't want this podcast to go up. It's the kind of brutal truth about Pinside that is best left unsaid. The kind of truth you are able to control on the site with threat ejects and moderation. Here's the part that kills me. We were friends, man. You and I met personally, hung out, but this is it. Guys saying... Um, they f my mother and you just stood by and said nothing. Stood by and didn't moderate any of it. My effing mother, man. Now you want to close it down? That's fine. I really don't care. But it's your best interest not to. You really don't want this podcast to go live. I'm giving you one shot to, to rethink this because we used to be friends. I'm going to bed now. When I wake up, if I hear nothing, it's going live. And trust me, you know I can put thoughts out there that will stick in people's minds forever. I never give people a chance to change my mind, but I'm doing that, you that solid. In eight hours, this goes live. All right. I was accused by a moderator of blackmail and threats, all bullshit until now. You want to say those things about me? Now see what it's really like to be blackmailed by a man with a mic and a, a thousand listeners. All right. So that's why I wrote to him because I just, I really, I could not for the life of me understand um, how they would allow people to attack me so much and did nothing. And yet, um, I, if you, cause if you go back and look at the history, you know, I never really, um, I never really personally attacked people. I really didn't. And if you think like me making fun of the alien art package and this and that was a personal attack, so be it. I think I also sent Robin a couple drunk emails that was like, Hey, how would you like to be effed Robin? Like slow or fast? Because that's the thing. It's like you have to understand. You have to understand. When they were not allowing me to share with you the information I wanted to share, and, and I would read people, like personally, like make fun of me, make fun of my mother, make fun of my career, calling me a, a, a sociopath, calling me all sorts of names, and they allowed all that to stay up there. That is why, that is why. I have no respect for Robin and the Pinside moderation staff. And you read firsthand from Forceflow um, the one-sided bias that exists on that site. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now you guys know. Now you know like more of the truth and the reality of the one-sided bias nature of Pinside. And I'm just going to end this podcast by saying this. They are 100%. They are 100% to blame for what happened with Highway Pinball and allowing Andrew Highway to sucker more people. Because think about it. Where was Andrew Highway able to sucker more buyers into his plan? It was with Pinside, right? They let Hilton and Andrew go into cahoots and chill the game and try to convince people that aliens were actually shipping and production was, was right around the corner. And they let all that take place. 
Now, I love how Robin and Force Flow are like, he's not a positive member of the community and he presented information without facts. You know what? I've got one fact for you two dingleberries to remember, all right? One fact, Force Flow, one fact, Robin, that you guys need to sit down and remember. Here's the fact I was trying to give you guys. 2,572,648 dollars of people's money that Andrew Highway lost, all right? That Hilton helped people lose in the hobby. So you know what? You guys should take a long look in the mirror and stop colluding with Hilton. And I and literally, guys, Robin has basically said to Hilton, you're okay, you're not gonna be banned, I think you're one of our best members on the site. Like literally, that is what is happening. And it is unbelievable. I think everyone should call Robin out on this BS and the, the sign that he is listening and understands the gravity of this one-sided bullshit is he should kick that motherfucker off the site once and for all and at least let Hilton and Canada share a lifetime ban because you know what? Let's hold hands and jump off a cliff like Thelma and Louise, Hilton. You know, it's time. Have a good day, everyone. Hey.